When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture. And we will. Let's begin with now. Welcome to episode 315 of Find Your Food Voice. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and I am so ready to unpack the American Academy of Pediatrics new guidelines on treating, treating in quotes, higher weight kids. This is a diet culture IRL episode. You are going to get an episode with Colleen and myself unpacking these guidelines. First, we're going to hear from Colleen where she has um, written up some thoughts um, that we will share with you and then we'll unpack it all. But, you know, just to keep in mind as you're listening to this episode, I have talked to many people who were higher weight kids and this has been a really hard time for them to um, see all the chatter about these guidelines to read through them. So take care of yourself, however you need to take care of yourself, which may include not listening to this episode. And we mentioned in the episode, if we miss something or you have some feedback for us, or if you want to share your thoughts about these guidelines, we would love to hear from you. You can get to us. The fastest way is through email info at juliedillonrd.com. And again, we look forward to hearing from you. We know this is a lot and we want to support you. And we hope that this episode does just that. It um, really, I hope what you listen and know without a doubt that we reject these guidelines as a team, um, the Find Your Food Voice and PCOS Power team, we um, find them disgusting and um, harmful and also going back 
um, against science. So (laughs) if that's not clear, I just hope you know that we do not agree with them, but it still is important to unpack them. But as I said, take care of yourself. So we are going to get a quick sponsor break and then you are going to hear from Colleen and then um, on to the episode. This episode of Find Your Food Voice is brought to you by my decoding and demystifying PCO carb cravings webinar. I wish you weren't taught to be ashamed of your PCOS carb cravings. You aren't weak for having them. You aren't gluttonous for eating in response to them either. You aren't doing it wrong. I wish you were taught these carb cravings are insightful. I have noticed there are two different types of PCOS carb cravings that give amazing, distinct intel. I wish you were taught from the get-go that both are to be trusted. Are PCOS carb cravings annoying as fuck? You bet. Should they be ignored or tricked? No way. Let's fix this. I'm putting together a mini training on PCOS carb cravings. It's a bite-sized lesson to help you move from chaotic with cravings to decoding their wisdom. You'll also learn the two different types of PCOS cravings and what they are telling you about your current PCOS symptom management. At this free webinar, you also get a peek into PCOS power. It's an open house tour of all that is included. The learning modules, the community, the workbook, the discount, discounted dispensary, and so much more. And remember, it's free. So if you are interested, go to bit dot lee slash pcos carb cravings again it's bit dot lee slash pcos carb cravings and you will get to all the information and a place to sign did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast you help cover the cost of producing find your food voice thank you to our sponsor equilibria daily women's microbiome defense because of them my team and i can continue our independent podcast Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a 3-in-1 capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. 
I want to start this diet culture IRL episode by sharing with you, listener, that our conversation may be triggering or difficult to hear. So please protect your peace if you need to pause or listen to this episode at a later time. The Daily released an episode on Thursday, January 26, entitled An Aggressive New Approach to Childhood O-Word. We don't use that word on this podcast or in our spaces, so I won't use it today. However, this is diet culture in real life, and I feel a sense of responsibility personally to discuss challenging topics that have an impact on my life and so many others in the world. In the episode of The Daily, the following recommendations were made for children in the U.S. by the American Academy of Pediatrics. They also continuously called this approach bold, refer to the O word as a problem, and one that should be treated aggressively. And people wonder why fat bodies are marginalized. I want to give you context before we dive right in. The guidelines the American Academy of Pediatrics are suggesting are as follows. Examining a child as young as two, if the child is found to have the O word, they advise intensive lifestyle counseling and treatment. For children who are 12 years old and older found to have the O word, they say it is appropriate and recommended to prescribe a drug that will aid in weight loss. For children 13 and older found to have severe O-word, they may want to consider bariatric or as we refer to it on the Find Your Food Voice podcast, stomach amputation surgery, a phrase Julie first heard via Marilyn Wan. They then go on to say, if it starts young, it only gets worse as adults leading to higher risk of diabetes, heart disease, etc., which Julie will speak to in a little while as well. They did touch on doing a study with a change in diet and behavior in different schools, a a control group where there were no changes made and an intervention school where there was no difference in the children's weights. They do explain as well that being at a higher weight is not all under a person's control. They talk about genetics playing a role, not just nutrition and behavior changes. The podcast episode continues on to say this drug is safe for children to suppress their appetite. So they eat less often and less food in general. If you're listening to this like me and your mouth is on the floor, you're not alone. Mine is too. I am flabbergasted. The irreversible aspect of a surgery on a child is a huge decision. Is anyone considering consent with these procedures or long-term effects for that matter? The part that really unsettled me was when I felt like they were speaking to me with this quote. How about health at every size? How about body positivity? How about accepting me for what I am and stop trying to make me into an ideal of what a child or person should look like? Not everyone with the O word has health problems. Which, as a reminder, you don't owe anyone your health. They do talk about the widespread discrimination people living in higher weight bodies face with children and adolescents being routinely bullied at school and home. Hard for them to make friends. Teachers give them teachers give them lower grades. They often become anxious, depressed, socially isolated, which is a huge burden for a child and any adult facing similar discrimination. So rather than addressing the actual issue, which is the discrimination, they want to change people to fit the accepted ideals. Even saying this again out loud, I am heated. The problem isn't the people with higher weight bodies. The problem is how acceptable it is for those people to be discriminated against. The direct quote was, people assume it's your fault. 
you're out of control and you're not a virtuous person. That is seriously so effed up. They tried to spin the dialogue by saying, by acting early and aggressively to fight being in a higher weight, this will unburden people from the discrimination they may face in childhood and adulthood. I had to take many breaks while writing this episode today, and I'm still heated while I speak this to you now. I wish people felt comfortable to live a life without discrimination, period. I wish we lived in a world where we didn't have to change to make someone else comfortable. I wish you knew you were worthy of love and respect exactly as you are. There is a lot to unpack today. So I will pass it on over to Julie so we can dive into all of this seriously messed up and harmful rhetoric. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Julie. Thanks for writing that and reading it. Uh, I want to check in. Like, what was what was that all like for you to write? <sighs> well, as you know, I texted you immediately after I listened yes. to this episode <laughs> because I knew it would be a future diet culture IRL. But I, as you also know, I didn't feel like I could talk about it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's important mm-hmm. to say here uh, so that you listener know that's how I felt. I felt really triggered the first time I listened to this episode, especially because the daily is part of my daily routine. I do listen to it every day. So to have something like on my way to work that I just was not expecting kind of set my whole day up in an odd way. And when I realized that I needed to actually write things down, I don't think it was until like a week or so later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like... And just to make sure that we're on the same page, you're talking about the the daily. It's a podcast, right? And is it like an NPR podcast? Yep. Okay. Awesome. And I have not listened to it, and I, um, I have been intentionally not listening to certain things um, that have been giving their opinion about it because I'm not finding it helpful in the work that I'm doing. I am getting all the opinions from people who have lived experience. <laughs> that's like the opinions that I'm really focusing on. But um, but I, I'm following along with what you were saying. And so in case, we'll put everything that we mentioned in this episode, which I just need a name for the listener. Like this episode is going to be a lot of stuff. Like I don't even know at this point, Colleen, how we're going to tackle it all because we got a lot to say, but we will. <laughs> and all, everything we reference, we'll make sure we put in the show notes. So if you do want to listen to it, um, we'll have a link for you right now. So... Yeah. So what, I mean, how are we going to do this? Cause like, where should we start? Like what, what's oh, the gosh. most important for you to start with? I think just, I always think recognizing like w- what your feelings are first is like a really nice place to start. So, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned what this was like for me to get this kind of out. And I think at first I was just so angry again, like just mm-hmm. angry that this is another conversation that we're having, but now almost even more angry because it's for folks who are adolescence. And I think that is a whole nother piece of this that it's like, for me, I, I get to kind of advocate for myself. But I I think as a younger child, I don't know that the people that were around me at the time had the bandwidth or capacity to advocate for me in this way. And mm-hmm. that freaks me out. And for mm-hmm. like future 
children. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like knowing what you know now and appreciating that these are children and yes. adolescents that um, they're in danger. This is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think exactly. there's like, there's a lot of uh, organizations who've put out statements and we have intentionally kind of waited because we wanted to like let it, we wanted to read everything and come from a place of calmer, like thought and stuff. But there's been some organizations who've put out statements that have not really, that have been really dismissive, almost been like, oh, you should have consulted people in order to work with higher weight kids to help them lose weight. Like, no, like for just missing the mark altogether of like, no, the issue is that we need to be respecting that size diversity is a healthy part of society and pushing this, just from the get-go, um, attacking in this way is um, such a problem and going to be really, really harmful. And something that I know for me, I, I told you this, Colleen, when we were t- kind of texting about it, I was like, I have really waited to look at these guidelines because it was... Um, reminding me of my work early on as a dietitian that I do feel ashamed about because I used to help kids lose weight. And um, I also appreciate that. Like part of my privilege is I was able to avoid this. My kids are not in higher weight bodies at this point. And um, I was able to avoid it. Like I didn't have to. So I want to just name that. But when I, when I read it, I was like, this is such a bullshit because it is exactly what was like the the scripts to follow in the 90s about how to help kids lose weight and even worse now included the diet pills and injections and surgery. That was not part of it before. Um, And I don't know if you know this, but like just in 2016, the American Academy of Pediatrics released a statement that was similar on a similar topic, you know, how to help higher weight kids. And uh, they, I, had, I wrote a list of all the things that this basically goes against that statement, which to me is really like poor science. Like science moves forward. Like, why are we going back to like yeah. this, like old, like really like um, Jessica Setnick is a dietitian that if you're a dietitian listening, I know you know who she is, but she's just someone that a lot of us have, um, gotten supervision from. She's an eating disorder specialist, but she always says like, focusing on weight is just so passe. Like that is just like not what we do anymore. We know better. And like, no, it's like out of style. Like, no. Um, Which I know is minimizing it in itself, but you know, she's kind of be cheeky. And these 2016 guidelines from the American Academy of Pediatrics, they said to pediatricians, when you have a kid in a higher weight body in your office, discourage dieting, discourage diet pills, focus on behaviors, not weight. Don't mention, and it had no mention of surgery at all. And this like goes completely against it, which is just like, yeah, which that's what I knew was going to happen when I like opened it up. I was like, it's going to go against all those things. And for me, I'm like, that took so much to get the American Academy of Pediatrics to change, to be more pro- body diversity and promoting positive body image for every child. Yes. Um, and now it just went all the way back to like the 1990s. Yeah. So. 
Uh, they say those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Right. Right. <laughs> um, 100%. And the, there's a few things. I'm, I'm totally going in a rant. So interrupt me, Colleen. <laughs> there's like some things that you're like, you want, want to share an opinion on because like I, the other thing I want to mention I have in my notes here is this MI study because I don't know if you saw this, but they mentioned in the guidelines, the use of motivational interviewing. Um, and I, I have a feeling they didn't mention it in the daily, but the studies that have become really popular in nutrition, physical fitness use, um, something that's the people who are big into motivational interviewing don't like us calling it a technique, but it's just like a, a different way of interacting with your patients, your clients that is very much aligned with me. That's like person centered, the person mm-hmm. who is the client or the patient decides what they want to, what behaviors they want to change. And, and motivational interviewing is really well aligned with health at every size or, you know, body diversity topics because it is so person centered. Um, and it also like takes into account like systemic type of issues. Well, this, this, these guidelines use motivational interviewing to like prop up weight loss recommendations and saying like, um, if a kid is at this percentile, which they consider to be um, the low, the lower o-, o word, I don't know, like <laughs> the one, the yeah. eighty fifth to ninety fifth. I'm like, what does that even mean? Um, yeah. The and um, to start using MI and um, one thing I can remember from my earlier work as a dietitian is in 2002. Um, I was involved in a pilot study using motivational interviewing for at-risk children, um, at risk for being in higher weight bodies. And they called it that because at that point, the 85th, this is getting in the weeds here. So that's why I'm like, tell me if I'm getting boring, Colleen. But like, this is where no, I'm like, super interested. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like at this point, the 85th to 95th percentile on the growth charts, which I don't know if you remember the growth charts from back in the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you go to the doctor, they plot your height and weight. And there's parts that are important because it makes sure because children always should be gaining weight. Like that's Mm -hmm. another like principle that every dietitian that works in pediatrics, every pediatrician knows. Again, every child should always be gaining weight. A child losing weight is never a good thing. Like it's like it's a system is at risk here when that happens. But anyway, so plotting to make sure things are happening. And if someone is crossing channels or like going through um, lots of different percentiles quickly, it's kind of like, oh, something may be going on. You know, there could be a thyroid issue there. It could be that the person doesn't have access to enough food. You know, it could, it just Mm -hmm. helps to question. And at that point, the 85th to 95th percentile just meant at risk. And literally overnight, Somewhere around 2004, I think, 2005, they decided to change it for to 85 to 95th percentile to be that O word, number one. Mm. And and then just changed the 95th and above to be the other O word. Arbitrarily? Like, like Yeah, just because it made just, sense. Just because it made sense. Because okay. I was a part of the study that was looking at it using the old language. And I mm-hmm. remember reading an email from the person who decided in the CDC, if you want to know all of the history of this part, 
Um, Christy Harrison does a really great job in her book, Anti-Diet, talking about this point in time in history. So I'll leave it to that. I'm not going to name names on this podcast because I don't have the ability to face litigation. But um, (laughs) so um, anyway, so with that all being said, it's like this... um, guideline has so much power behind it. Like every pediatrician is going to have to follow it. Every pediatrician is going to have to like, it's going to automatically be in their like health record to pop up to sit, to, to communicate this to a kid and their family. And that's going to be part of their billing. And um, when I looked through how they made the decisions for like the surgery, the drugs, they have this thing called evidence A, B, and C whenever um, doctors and just like healthcare make decisions on like what the algorithm should be. If someone comes in with um, a cough, you know, there's like an algorithm to go through to figure out what they have. And they have evidence A, B, or C to decide if it's how strong that evidence is. A means we got a ton of research. B means eh, fair amount. It's good. C means it's just an opinion. The Mm. weight loss surgery a.k.a. stomach amputation, evidence C. Opinion? Just their opinion. So um, <laughs> if you don't have it up at home, I'll read to you what this one is. Pediatricians and other providers should offer referral for adolescents three t- 13 years and older with severe O-word for evaluation for metabolic and bariatric surgery to local or regional comprehensive, you know, basically for surgery centers, it is a grade C level of evidence. And that literally just means, I'll link in the show notes to these guidelines. The recommendation is based on expert opinion and panel consensus. Wow. So, you know, I, there's, there's going to be conditions where that's needed, right? Like some, kid, God forbid, has a very rare cancer, no research on, but there's an oncologist that has worked with this, a child with the same thing. They're going to have some evidence just by working with someone else with it, you know? And mm-hmm. <laughs> But we have mm-hmm. so many kids who are in higher weight bodies that like, they don't have the evidence that this is actually going to be um, a health promoting option. And if you follow Lisa Dubriel, she's a a therapist out of Boston. She has done the amazing work of gathering the lived experiences of folks who have, um, as adults, gone through um, that stomach amputation and different types of surgeries. And the types of things that she's been able to connect with is like, it's so much higher risk for substance abuse, um, dying by suicide. Like there's... (sighs) And then 25% of folks, up to 25% of folks will need to have surgery again. Oh, so that's gosh. one in four, you know? Anyway, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll take a breath. What are you, what are you thinking? Oh man, I'm, I'm reeling. Uh, <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. like I, I'm processing still, but I think that I'm just thinking about being that age again and mm. thinking yeah, about- back to that. Yeah, like what I was thinking about at the time. And I I can honestly say at 
11, maybe 12 and 13. I was thinking about it a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. I felt relatively okay in my body. I don't think it wasn't until Mm -hmm. I started seeing other things at school um, and the way other people talked about their own bodies that that's when I started to question like, oh, and that's, that's what gets me about kind of these recommendations is when it's coming from a trusted adult, like we mm-hmm. are taught to trust a physician or a pediatrician or a parent, that's when I get kind of freaked out by this because when it's your peers, it's almost like, oh, well, yeah, they might be talking negatively mm-hmm. about their body, but they're not my parent and they're not, you know, a trusted adult. They're just maybe talking negative. It's it's almost like, yeah, you hear it, but maybe at a l- less power than mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. maybe a trusted adult. And And so I'm just thinking about kind of those pieces to this and thinking about mm-hmm. like, what would I have done a- at that age if my parents came home and they were like, hey, uh, new plan. You're going to go Ugh. get stomach amputation surgery. And whether or not you want to, that's what the doctor's recommending. Like, I can't even tell you what I would respond because I don't mm-hmm. think what my, uh, you always say this, my prefrontal frontal cortex is yeah. not <laughs> developed at that point. So Correct. <laughs> and 13 is the youngest age. At 13, maybe... Some folks who are assigned female at birth are done getting taller. Maybe, you know, but a lot of people are still getting taller, are still developing, still going through so many changes. Yeah. And, you know, something I didn't, I forgot to write it down, but I think is important to name here too, is that the organization Fed Up, which is um, an organization run and for queer folks with eating disorders, they had a statement that they released uh, that we'll also put in the show notes that basically is saying, hey, um, in certain states in the United States, you won't even allow kids to have access to gender affirming care, but yet you will allow them to get their stomach (sighs) amputated for not even, and I think- um, you and I know we agree, Colleen, and everyone that works yes. with this podcast agrees that like no one does, no one owes anyone health. And like, I don't even like weight loss is just um, not weight loss, but like dieting to promote weight loss is just adding another risk factor. So I don't care if someone has high cholesterol or diabetes or whatever. Like, I want to help them to have peace with food too, and to yeah. like feel okay in the body they're in right now and all that. But even like, even for folks who do not have anything else, like they are in a body that just is um, told that is just too much and they don't have high cholesterol or diabetes or high blood pressure, they still are candidates for this surgery. Um, but yet we could not allow kids in many states of the United States to have access to gender affirming care, including surgery, because the, the reasoning is like, they can't give consent because they're too young. But like you were just saying, like, that's Ugh. just... So we'll link to that statement because um, they go more into that. Um, but yeah, it's a lot. And you, you're right. Like a pediatrician has so much power in the eyes of a family um, yes. for a caregiver and then for the child. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of people who are parents 
who have written in to the podcast before who have mentioned like feeling so ashamed and feeling really bad about um, telling their kids to eat a certain way. And one Mm -hmm. thing that I know to be true is they were doing what they thought was best. You know, they were doing what they thought was the best. They thought they loved their children. And, um, and like, this is just going to further enhance that, you know? Um, so. (sighs) I would caution, or I guess just if there is a caregiver or a parent listening is, Mm -hmm. I think that that, Honestly, like those suggestions and just knowing from my own personal journey are I think are are more harmful than than you know just kind of encouraging health at every size and encouraging intuitive eating and listening to your body uh, and maybe intuitive eating is not in the cards for you at this point in time but mm-hmm. it just really listening and and coming to terms with kind of your own relationship with food as an adult, like, mm-hmm. or starting to think about that. Because yeah, I look back at my childhood. And again, to Julie's point, my parents love me dearly. They wanted mm-hmm. the best for me, but I live in mm-hmm. a higher weight body. And that's just, that's who I am. And mm-hmm. I have done so much work now to get to the place where I feel can feel like I can accept that, that I maybe wouldn't have needed to go through. And maybe even like the amount of stress and anxiety that I feel at this point in time is directly related to some of those messages that I was told growing up. So mm-hmm. I would just like, if you are a caregiver, I recognize you are doing the best you can with yes. the tools that you have been given. And I I can definitely honor that. And also like, try to put yourself in the shoes of a person living in a higher weight body for a day and see how that mm-hmm. feels. Well, and I, the, you know, the, in my experience, I can't say that this is like absolute in research, but just in my experience, most kids that I met in higher weight bodies had lived in a family where most people were in higher weight bodies. Like, and so I feel like most parents can totally get that, you know, like, um, that shame and, and, um, just feeling really bad. And I think you mentioned in your note that like, this is going back to the thing that we were doing wrong in the nineties and the early two thousands that we were like clawing our way out of where we're (laughs) that, oh yeah, we shouldn't blame the person or we shouldn't tell the person who's being oppressed to change. We need to stop the people who are shaming folks who are blaming folks. And this is going against all of that. And, um, what really, really, um, pissed me off. And I remember I was, um, I go live a lot on TikTok and I was like researching it and just like talking randomly to whoever who may have been on because they use in these guidelines, um, all this like language that is like anti-diet language. Um, I'm going to read some quotes. It says like partner with each other to expand access to evidence-based pediatric O-word treatment programs and to increase community resources that address social determinants of health um, and promoting healthy active lifestyles. It also says um, targeted policies are needed to purposely address the structural racism in our society that drives the alarming and persistent disparities in childhood O-word and O-word related comorbidities. Like, it's naming racism, it's naming social determinants of health, but yet it's still like flip flop, like 
So yeah, it's co-opting get smaller. like our anti-diet language. Yeah, which I'm like, I mean, if there's anything that's a constant, it's that, right? It's like yeah. stealing, which, you know, thinking about like, how did fat liberation start? It's from the Black community. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just like, all right, continuing on with stealing shit yeah. <laughs> from, from Black folks. And um, yeah, so this is all, I'm all twisted up in my like wires now because I'm getting, I'm using my hands so much to talk. <laughs> I'm going to get caught. Um so uh, something I want to say, I didn't mention another person that I'll put in the show notes. Um, Carrie Dennett is a journalist who uh, is a dietitian and writes often for the Seattle Times. She has an outstanding um, opinion article, namely calling out the racism that is a part of these guidelines and um, racism and poverty and weight stigma, how um, they basically like name it in the guidelines, but then still put it on the individual to fix their own oppression um, and how this these guidelines will hurt um, Black and Indigenous folks and other people of color more than white kids. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is Christine ba- uh, Christine Byron. Am I saying, Christine, am I saying your name wrong? Barn, Christine Barn. <laughs> she has an article in Self um, that also talks about it. I, and then the last um, thing I wanted to mention was some action steps. And thinking about what you were talking about, Colleen, just a second ago about parents. You know, if you go to the pediatrician's office and you have a child who is a higher weight child and you know that these guidelines came out and you probably already prep in some way for this conversation. Um, I'm yeah. thinking about parents who are aware of their own um, lived experience as a higher weight child and wanting to do things different for their kids and be may, just getting ready to have a different experience than what pediatricians were prepped to do before. Because, you know, the last guideline said, don't talk about weight, don't talk about dieting. Uh, promote positive body image for every kid. And um, so if you're in that place, like, fuck, I need to be ready. Um, And honestly, like, if there's one topic that most of my clients with kids want to know about, this is it. They're like, can we spend like many sessions on this? Like they'll come to have a session with me before a meeting with their pediatrician and after. And just to like figure out what they want to say and then decompress afterwards. Um, but if you want some scripts to follow, Jessica Setnick, who I named earlier, she has the handle Understanding Nutrition on Instagram. She has some wonderful, you could write down scripts on what to say to the doctor when they bring up weight. Um, and so we'll, yeah. And Jessica, um, again, she's, she can be, I always admire her boldness. (laughs) She just goes right for it. It's like, And, um, you know, very, very um, clearly allows a boundary to be put down. Like if you're wanting to treat my child because of a higher weight, just know that this is not, I'm not willing to do X, Y, and Z. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes too. Um, I know we could probably talk for about what, another semester on this? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) This is like a 10 week course, right? (laughs) Well, it's like you've had of, um, I forget your age, Colleen, but like you've had decades of living this. So you have 
Um, there's a lot to unpack. So I know we barely scratched the surface, but I hope you, the listener, know that officially the Find Your Food Voice team, we are against these guidelines and find them revolting, you know, find them like um, dangerous and disgusting yes. um, and really unfortunate that they have, that's so minimizing, but really unfortunate that they are going against their own guidelines from 2016 that we're finally starting to come along. But, you know, to wrap up, Colleen, is there anything that like you would want to say to yourself as a child or adolescent yeah. who's like sitting with these kinds of oh, yeah recommendations, maybe a pediatrician, just blah, all this stuff or, you know, what would yeah. you want to say? I guess I would want to first be told that I was safe. So I think that's kind of would be my first, like, I guess it's a mantra or like a phrase mm -hmm. that I could repeat to myself. Like you are safe, um, you are loved. And I would just want to know that I was okay exactly as I was. Yes. And I think that that's something that, I mean, anything that's telling you that you have to change something about your body that you are pretty sure you can't change. Trust mm -hmm. me, I know I've tried in the past. Um, mm -hmm. I I think that that's can be really hard to hear. And I think just kind of those few phrases can can really help. And and to know that like while it may be really unfortunate to hear those things from a pediatrician or I think usually reminding a, a younger version of me that like your parents were doing the best that they could mm -hmm. with the tools that they had, I think is like also really helpful because it takes kind of that, mm -hmm. that like pressure, that shame a little bit away from kind of these things from folks that we're supposed to be able to trust and like mm -hmm. hold to some sort of different standard than, than others. So mm -hmm. not sure that was super eloquent, but hopefully you got the idea. <laughs> Yeah, it was very eloquent. And can I add something to it? Would that be yes. okay? Yes, please Cause, do. Because I would want to tell Colleen and anyone listening who is a child or adolescent, wow, you're listening to my podcast. Wow. But <laughs> um, <laughs> Amazing. that, yeah. But I would also want to say that I, no matter what they're saying, no matter what the doctor's saying or people at school, you you are worthy just as you are today and you are valuable just as you are today. It, yeah. You need to be told that more often, you know, you are worthy and valuable um, no matter how your body looks or functions or not, you know? So Ooh, I receive that. I'm taking that to heart. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> Listener, well, thank I hope you. you're receiving that too. Yes. That, was, that was good. <laughs> well, in, Thank you for, you know, opening up and sharing your your lived experience and and you know, tackling this big topic. And listener, if you if you are like are like we missed something, let us know. We would yes. love to hear what you have to say about these guidelines or if you don't agree with what we said. Yeah. Um although if you disagree about a word and stuff like that, I'm like we probably won't take that. <laughs> <laughs> like we are always going to no, believe that that's for sure. <laughs> people are valuable no matter their size. But, but yeah, we would love to hear 
um, what we may have missed or just what you're what you're experiencing with these guidelines. So shoot us an email. Yes. It's Please info do. at juliedillonrd.com. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Colleen. I appreciate you. Thanks. Till next time. So there you have it. Listener, I hope you got what you needed out of listening to this episode. If we missed something, if you have feedback for us about this episode, we welcome it. Send your email to info at juliedillonrd.com. Let us know. What did we miss? Or what are you experiencing um, with these American Academy of Pediatrics new guidelines that are just super harmful in our opinion? We look forward to hearing what you have to say. If you enjoyed this episode of Find Your Food Voice, we would love it if you left a rating or review if you haven't already in Apple Podcasts or subscribe or share an episode. Doing those four things really helps the show grow and we thank you in advance. And lastly, this episode of Find Your Food Voice was brought to you by our PCOS Carb Cravings webinar that is coming up very soon. And you can get to all the details at bit.ly slash PCOS Carb Cravings. Again, it's bit.ly slash PCOS Carb Cravings. We'll also put a link in the show notes for you. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Find Your Food Voice. Take care. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Bremner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.